Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Michael McKee. And the opening bell brought to you by SEI. Imagine when cognitive computing shapes the experience you create for your investors. See how SEI's global operating platform can be your catalyst for business intelligence at SEIC.com slash imagine. Stocks that'll change to higher at the open. The S&P 500 is up now a tenth of a percent, up two points to 2114. Dow Jones Industrial Average up a tenth of a percent or 22 points to 17,900. The Nasdaq's up almost two-tenths percent, or eight points, to 49.69. The 10-year Treasury is up 3.30 seconds. The yield 1.70 percent. Yield on the two-year, 0.78 percent. NYMEX crude oil up one and a quarter percent, or 62 cents, to $50.98 a barrel. COMEX gold up one and a quarter percent, or $15.70, to 12.62.70 an ounce. The euro, $1.14, the yen 106.85. Tom and Mike. Thank you very much, Karen Moscow. Uh, interesting headline just crossed the Bloomberg British Petroleum, noting that global coal use dropped by the most on record in 2015. That is not good for people who produce coal, but it, it does suggest there is a widespread adoption of other fuel sources, particularly natural gas. Robert Campbell is joining us. He's uh, with oil production research uh, from Energy Aspects. And, uh, Rob, uh, this is an interesting development. It, it basically confirms what we already knew, that uh, coal is the no longer uh, what people want to buy and uh, that uh, the fracking revolution has made, I guess, natural gas so cheap and oil so cheap that there are alternatives now. Uh, sure, certainly there are alternatives, and it's it's a matter of the fact that there's enough gas that it has to price to to displace coal from the generation stack in the U.S., and and that's what we're seeing. And uh, additionally, the uh, the regulatory pressure on the coal sector makes it unattractive to retrofit aging coal plants to comply with uh, uh, environmental regulations going forward. Uh, I think you know there's a similar pattern in China as well. Obviously, one of the other major coal consumers, where the uh, environmental concerns are making coal uh, less and less attractive. The government is actively looking to substitute it out of the generation stack, and uh, you know that's uh, that is what it is for the coal producers. A couple of years ago, we would have said um, that maybe the outlook for oil was similar. You know, a, a fuel in decline. Everybody was looking to renewables. And now, uh, with prices where they are, it's all about uh, hydrocarbons again. Does does that continue? How how long is oil back in the conversation? I think a lot of people who've bought SUVs are in for a rude awakening. <laughs> uh, if you if we look at the uh, the supply and demand balances going into 2017, there's, we are going to see a large drawdown in inventories, and uh, our, our firm expects quite a considerable price increase to reflect the uh, the damage that's been done to non-OPEC supply uh, by the low price environment. I mean, this goes beyond the, the shale areas, and simply put, we cannot the supply and demand curves do not meet at this price. Well, quantify what 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 does a large increase mean? Uh, we think on average you'll be drawing a million barrels a day next year out of inventory. Wow. So 
we do have a large overhang from uh, the, the the last couple of years, but uh, ultimately um, that's not a sustainable way to go about things. Uh, now, you know, you can get get well into the future and start prognosticating. I mean, our firm's focus is mainly on the short, you know, one to two year horizon. And right. uh, simply put, you know, the, the current state of demand and the current state of supply are not compatible. How did I asked this question earlier in the morning, and I think it's still true here at $52.20 per rent. The elasticity or responsiveness is of the technology of American oil. Are the Saudis aware of that? Are they aware of the new technology in America that makes for different microeconomics underlying the price? I think the Saudis are well aware of this. Um, There's been a lot of misconceptions about what the Saudis have been doing. Um, The Saudis are not concerned about shale so much as they're concerned about the uh, lower cost producers such as Iraq and Iran uh, taking market share from them. Uh, In the end, they don't mind a higher cost producer such as the U.S. and uh, they're willing to, you know, live in a lower price environment to sustain oil as a, as a, as a, as a resource that it, that can be sold, and I think the the latest statements from the Saudi officials pretty much uh, confirmed this. Uh, I would note on the shale side of things that you know everybody loves to talk about how costs have come down, but this is entirely uh, well, not entirely, but a large amount of this will be uh, will be will be cyclical factors because nobody's doing any work. So the, I don't think the schlumbergers of the world are going to continue to to operate at uh, near loss uh, near in near loss conditions should activity recover, and we've certainly heard this from our clients that they may be happy to hedge their 2016 exposure at these prices, but when it comes to 2017, they're Mm -hmm. quite concerned about what their costs will be. What about the argument that uh, the minute you see prices rise, the frackers all come back? Oh, yeah. I mean, we we do anticipate them coming back. Uh, We do anticipate the the rise in price to stimulate drilling. But um, I think it's worth noting that the shale sector as a whole has been cash flow negative for almost every quarter since 2008. And the uh, huge losses that have been absorbed over the last, you know, six months or so, I think are really going to trigger a bit of a a change in the mindset from those who are providing the dollars to to undertake this drilling. Uh, We'll certainly see people supporting uh, companies in growth mode and what have you, but there will be a lot greater focus right. on, on achieving actual returns from from their investment. Have you ex- I mean, no, go ahead, please. If, you, if, if you're an equity investor in a shale company right now, the company has no hope of ever paying a dividend, and so your only uh, exit is, to, is M&A, but who's going to take you over if, if the whole sector is bleeding yeah. cash? Can you extrapolate where a gallon of gas is going back to? Is it over $3 a gallon? <laughs> You know, I mean, our I, I, can, I mean, our view on crude is that we get back to around, uh, you know, the 70s next year, and uh, on that basis, yeah, you could see three dollars in parts of the United States. Uh, this is why yeah. I did remark about people who are buying all the SUVs maybe in for surprise again. Uh, but I mean, currently the price is you know 20 to 30 cents below where it was a year ago, and that's obviously very supportive for demand very at these cool. prices. Um, and you know, it's, it's I don't own a car, but mm-hmm. when you fill it up, it's amazing how cheap. Well. We can go to someone who knows. Robert Campbell will continue with us with Energy Aspects. Uh, this chat on oil from 30 to 52.33 on Brent. Uh, you, you bought at the bottom, John Tucker. Was it the Hummer you got that used Hummer? <laughs> 2014? When gas was, uh, I don't know, dollar a gallon. Dollar. Well, yeah. well, well, how low did it get in New Jersey? Uh, about 150. 150 some. Wow. Yeah. It's up to 206, though, in my neighborhood. Okay. So it's like, still good. Yeah, as, as, as Mr. Campbell just said, Michael McKee, 
But one of the challenges we have is you're the only one within like a zip code <laughs> here one who dumb enough gasoline. to have a car. We look at equities, bonds, currencies, commodities. It'll save us yen out to new strength. 106.84. That's a wow statistic. Let me get up the yen intraday chart. Uh, going back, I'm going to put this out on Bloomberg uh, Radio Plus. I got a seven day intraday on yen. The low is 106.38 on June 5th at 5 p.m. Exactly. Uh, we're not there, but we're breaking down. We've got a couple levels to go through. You may get a retest of that. June 6th, June 5th, uh, uh, strength in yen, 106.38. Right now, 106.84. Uh, the markets are open, Dow up 60, and the VIX 13.85. We're right at 18,000. We can round it up to that. Showing the resiliency of the equities. You heard Dennis Gartman uh, earlier saying the challenges of short-term gaming the markets, given all that's going on, particularly negative interest rates and the other distortions that are out there. I'm with Mike McKee. All it comes down to is we're data dependent, staggering to the next uh, economic data. This hour of surveillance is brought to you by Westchester Subaru. Visit westchestersubaru.com. Here's John Tucker with news headlines. You want some more numbers. Uh, former Secretary of State Clinton, who was uh, declared the Democratic presentive nominee by the AP on Monday, Won four of six contests on Tuesday, further extending her lead over Bernie Sanders. The vote tally show in California with 94% of the vote counted. Clinton had 400,000 votes more than Sanders, about 56% of the total in Delegate Rich, New Jersey. The final tally shows Clinton 63% to Sanders 36%. That's a difference of about 240,000 votes. Still, Sanders is vowing to continue his quest for the White House, telling supporters in California he'll fight on to compete in next week's primary in Washington, D.C. And violence in the Middle East increased last year while the rest of the world largely got safer, underscoring a global inequality in peace. This is according to an annual study. The economic cost of violence in 2015, $13.6 trillion dollars. 13.3% of the global world uh, gross domestic product, according to the Institute for Economics, Peace and Global Peace uh, Global Peace Index. And Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm John Tucker, Michael and Tom. And John, thanks so much. The two-year yield, 0.78%. The 10-year, 1.71%. Germany gets a bid, finally, a little bit higher uh, uh, yields lower boon prices this morning. Michael McKee and Tom Keene from New York, Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State Dealer. The star you've been wishing for is waiting at the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Head to your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State Dealer for more details. Hurry before this star flies by. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. 
And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stocks are moving higher with the S&P 500 at its highest level since July amid speculation borrowing costs will remain lower for longer amid moderate growth. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P 500 up three tenths percent or six points to 2118. Dow Jones Industrial Average up four tenths percent or 73 points to 18,011. NASDAQ up a quarter percent or 12 points to 49.74. Ten-year Treasury up two thirty seconds. The yield one point. 0.71%. Yield on the two-year, 0.78%. NYMEX crude oil up 1.8% or 88 cents to 51.24 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1.4% or $17.40 to 12.64.40 an ounce. The euro, $1.1397. The yen, 106.87. Canadian pension fund British Columbia Investment Management said to be in advanced talks to buy a 10% stake in Glencore's agriculture unit. That a headline just crossing the Bloomberg. Lululemon Athletica is up 2.1% after posting first quarter sales that beat analyst estimates, helped by new products like an expanded selection of women's tops. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Sure enough, thanks so much. A Bloomberg surveillance brought to you by Interactive Brokers, offering direct market access to stocks, options, futures, forex. Bonds and ETFs in over 100 market centers in 24 countries from a single account. Visit ibkr.com slash trade worldwide. That's ibkr.com slash trade worldwide. Robert Campbell with us on oil with energy aspects. Robert, you're from Canada, right? That's correct. They have had an adjustment from $100 a barrel. Is big oil adjusting to the new landscape, or is it business as usual? Uh, no, very much not. I mean, these these companies are uh, really hacking away at things. Uh, they've they've cut the fat now. They've cut. They're cutting into the muscle and the bone in a lot of places. Uh, you know, they're, uh, I think the the extraordinary lengths that some of these firms have gone through to sustain their dividends, uh, you know, speaks volumes about what they're going to be able to do going forward uh, in terms of investing in new capacity. And uh, I think that you know the the financial discipline that's been demanded of them by the markets will uh, will, will inhibit the investment cycle. At, at the beginning. When do we see an investment cycle? Yeah, I think the the, the companies will want to see uh, a sustained uh, price increase. I mean, if you're in a, if you're you know if you're if you're looking to invest, you don't really care about a, a week of higher prices or what have you. Uh, anybody with a slightly long memory will recall that Q2 last year we had a run up to the 60s uh, that quickly uh, melted down, and you know we ended up in the 30s. Uh, or, uh, you know, eight months later. So I think there'll be definitely some caution here, but I mean, our sense is that the, the, the mood is turning and that people within these firms do see, uh, a large deficit in the market that coming next year. Uh, and obviously that is supportive for cash flows and future investment, but there's been very little exploration done in recent years uh, because of the cutbacks, you know, and, and these are the, you know, if you're an Exxon or a Shell, you know, a few, a few small 10,000 barrel a day fields aren't going to really make, uh, move the needle for you. Well, these are guys but this, you, you've nailed it. Is You've absolutely nailed it. Is the needle going to get moved again in the next five years? Is the spirit going to be there for upstream to go out and find uh, the next puddle of oil? 
you know, I think if you look back in the history of people making prognostications about the oil market, uh, everybody who looks five years ahead tends to get it wrong. But <laughs> I mean, I my like sense that, of it yeah. is that you know, you will, you know, we we have to move into a price environment that's more supportive of investment, uh, and and ultimately, uh, the OPEC nations will gain market share, but uh, the the there is a space for non-OPEC supply to be in there. But if you need to think a uh, hundred million dollars or more in a deep water wells, you need to have a pretty decent understanding of your return environment, and uh, at this time, they don't really have it. Um, the shift in Saudi policy is pretty decisive here. I mean, the fact that they've said that they're not going to uh, basically underwrite a put in this market anymore uh, makes it much more questionable about when you're going to get your uh, return on these mega projects, and uh, ultimately, that means the costs need to need to come down, That means the, and that means a slower lead time on development. I think the Saudis themselves are cognizant of this, and this is part of the reason why you see them making noises at the recent OPEC meeting that they're not looking to flood the market, that they're not looking to drive the price down. Uh, they do understand that the, there needs to be a return to investment. I mean, we've cut uh, a staggering amount of capital out of this industry, and uh, this was an industry that wasn't really happy with its returns on capital in, at $100. So there's a lot of restructuring to come. When you talk about um, not much exploration done, is there still a lot of un, uh, uh, undrilled fields out there, especially deep water, that uh, would be the first thing people go back to? You know, I think deep water is, uh, you know, is, is, is pretty far out on the cost curve. Um, initially, we'll probably see the recovery in the areas like the shale areas. I mean, one of the attractions of shale is that, uh, you know, it's kind of like a manufacturing process once you know the resource and know the area. Uh, and you can add supply relatively quickly. You can scale up and scale down your investments relatively quickly. And that, that's the kind of picture place we're moving towards. Stuff like oil sands and deep water requires a lot more conviction on uh, the, the scale yeah. of the resource and what have you. Um, but, you know, I, again, everybody who said there was we were running out of oil, remember peak oil? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 you know, the shale, the shale revolution completely blindsided right. them, and so I think it would be foolhardy to uh, to just assume there's nothing left after this. Do you have the same enthusiasm for nat gas? I mean, I believe it hasn't bounced like oil. Am I right in that? Uh, I mean, nat gas is in a is in a tricky tricky position globally. Really, there's there's oversupply, and our nat gas team uh, sees pretty weak pricing on LNG for the next few years going forward, and that's okay. really going to be a drag. Uh, ultimately, yeah. in the U.S. With the coal plant retirements uh, and, and and the liquid side, you know, becoming more attractive, um, right. you know, you are going to see some upside on U.S. prices. But again, you know, they're not. There's not really. A, if you if you have to price to get coal out of the generation stack, you've got to be pretty cheap. Thank you. This has been a great brief. Robert Campbell with Energy Aspects, really helping uh, with wisdom uh, this morning. Mike, um, I'm checking here. The ten-year yield did not get to a 169 handle. It got to 1.7005. Yields are a little bit higher across the board here in the last two hours. But you look at where we were, Michael, when we walked in the door, you off the surveillance Sikorsky uh, this morning. Uh, German yields are a little bit higher off of where they were at 5 and 6 a.m. But it's remarkable to look at the screen. I mean, yeah. it's just the compression of yields. And I honestly, Mike, don't think we got a straight answer today as to why. Well, it does does seem to be, as Ira Jersey was saying, it's the money flowing into uh, 
the, yeah. the perceived safe markets with a little bit, um, you know, in the U.S. Yeah. case, with a little bit higher yield. Germany doesn't have any yield at this point. A, a couple things to talk about. I want to congratulate you, Mike, on seeing Valier's note of the North Carolina vote, which I thought was well, I, yeah, really interesting. We've been watching that one for a while. Um, there were a couple of other races in North Carolina that were interesting uh, in terms of uh, you know, yeah. how, how Republicans would do, what wing of the party uh, would do well. And then California. Um, yeah. The state changed its uh, method of electing uh, senators. And in the primary, right. it's the top two, regardless of party, who yeah. will face off in the general election. They're both Democrats. Another thing worth watching are European banks. I'm not expert enough to know the story, but, Mike, I would note that Unicredit has rolled over and is testing uh, a, a one-shot low of five or six days ago. It was a quick blip down and blip back. But it has been soggy, uh, to say the least. That's another thing that I would watch here. What else are you watching? I like your jolts analysis. That was great. Well, we'll watch that today and see if the quits rate uh, continues to show that people are willing to take a risk. Um, we get this at 10 a.m. I'm sorry. It's not out yet. 10 a.m. this morning, and then uh, we'll continue mm-hmm. to see. The, you know, it'll be interesting to see when we get to next week to, house, to housing. Uh, yeah. Rates just don't go up. So uh, mortgage rates continue to keep people interested in uh, buying, we hope. Well, it's been the compression that we have seen the last few days, folks. Uh, You see it uh, in the yields coming in and certainly some of the GDP data. Another thing, it's it's removed, but another thing would be South Africa, uh, which reported very difficult uh, GDP numbers. Our team, uh, Arabil Gomede and Amgalang Mabatha, reporting out of South Africa on the contraction down 1.2%. That was way away from the survey. I mean, uh, uh, certainly that was a disappointing number. Fitch had to come out. They affirm the nation's credit rating at triple B minus. Some of the little things we're looking at, it was that sort of day, a little nuances, little things. Oil is not a little thing, as you heard from Robert Campbell. 52.44 on Brent, up a dollar. West Texas, 51.24, up 88 cents. Gold puts on, this, Mike, I just noticed, gold put on $19, 12.66 the ounce. I I missed that. that. Maybe it's a Dennis Gartman. Can we blame that on Gartman? (laughs) It might have been hard to, who knows with gold. There it is. Some of the little things we're looking at, of course, the big elephant in the room is a Fed meeting June 15th. Mike and I are really looking forward to that coverage. And then we go on to Brexit. Uh, June 23rd. And then we come uh, back, Hillary, uh, uh, Janet Yellen and, and Humphrey Hawkins. What a month. All in June? She's, All in June. She's Humphrey Hawkins in June. Yeah, because Congress is leaving that. early this year to go campaign. They are going to go they campaign. moved her up. Well, thank you uh, particularly to Megan Murphy and all of our Washington team for political coverage. Don't forget, Halpern and Heilman, with all due respect, tonight, 5 p.m., Bloomberg Surveillance.